Welcome to Bucks Insider presented by Verizon. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And man, it is good to have a victory <laughs> week to talk about. It is. That was a fun one. It was a good game. It was a much needed win. And I mean, man, it just feels like some, some fresh air got breathed into the building after what had been going on. It was a big win with some big performances <laughs> by a lot of different guys. Yeah. We all love a victory Monday, a victory week. Uh, what stood out to you about what this game meant to the team and, and some of the performances in it? Well, one thing about it is there were six games this week, I believe, that ended in walk-off field goals. Yeah, it's incredible. Including Monday night. So for us, it's kind of rare. It was nice to have that fourth quarter where you could breathe a little bit because the defense really bounced back. And, and you know, Coach Bowles described the game in Houston as a clunker. Um, you know, it was I think it was out of character for the Bucks defense. But he, he said they had a lot of pride. And these are guys that, you know, wanted to prove that that was the exception. And, and not the way this defense is. And they came out, they played very aggressively. Um, they were particularly aggressive on first down because one of the goals was to keep Derrick Henry from picking up four, five, six yards on first downs and putting them in good down and distance situations and allowing them to establish the run and get him going downhill. <clears throat> so they really wanted to win first down. And I, you may remember how the game started. The first play was a 15 yard completion. Second play was a direct snap, 15 yard run. So you're like, we are not accomplishing this goal right now, but there were 25 more first and tens or one that was a first and nine because it was first and goal. And the uh, Titans got a total of 40 yards on those 25 plays. So that's how you kept it behind the sticks. And they were not able to convert a single third down that was longer than six yards. It's incredible. That was a much needed one. Yeah, like you said, a rebound game. It was big. Which was very, very big, especially going into this week. And then, of course, you know, it's funny. As I watch games, I watch them a little differently than most fans because I'm just thinking about all of the different shows and interviews and things <laughs> and what's going to make for good content, what we're talking about. You know the moment I saw Tristan Wirfs pick up that football. Yes. I was like, oh, this is going to be a really fun thing to get to talk about. And also, shameless plug, uh, I did have him on our Bucks Total Access show with uh, myself and Ali Marpet. We talked about it. It was hilarious and wonderful. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. Uh, look at the big man. Look yeah. at the stiff arm he tried to throw, <laughs> which was amazing. And we also had Baker shouting him out of like, look at this. The scoop, the Talk scoop, well, the scoop was so smooth. It was. He's just, it, it's, it's kind of dumb how athletic he is in so it many really different ways. Is. Which that was something funny we talked about on the show that Allie was like, I remember when he came in as a rookie and I was just mad. I was just mad <laughs> that everything was so easy for him. He's like, bro, make this look harder, you know. And we asked Tristan, we were like, you know, typically they teach offensive linemen to just fall on it, cover it up, grenade style. Mm -hmm. And we were like, did that occur to you? And he was like, absolutely not. I was I was scooping and going no matter what. It would have been, it would have almost been sad if he had scored I because know. it wouldn't have counted. Which, for anybody that doesn't understand, please explain this rule because I am not even sure that all the players even kind of knew <laughs> what was going on in that moment. So tell us about this rule. In the last two minutes of either half, if a player on offense fumbles, uh, a teammate can recover the ball, but they can't advance it. So it comes back to the spot of the fumble, but you do regain possession. The point is to not allow people to purposely fumble when they're desperate and that's all they can do. That only in the final two minutes. Yeah, and that obviously wasn't the case. Yeah, because you would never purposely fumble. It's too risky right. in, in other situations, but it, it comes from decades ago, the play they call the Holy Roller, where uh, uh, it was a Raiders game and the guy fumbled and it went all the way to the end zone and they recovered it and it was like the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. So it, it's considered unfair for obvious reasons and so you can't advance so Tristan 
may know the rule, but didn't necessarily think of it at the time or even right. know maybe they're in the last two minutes of the half. Yeah, you so. see that football out there and suddenly you just start dreaming of glory, got, you know. Got eyes at the painted grass. <laughs> yes. Um, and also, I was really excited to see a couple young guys get in there and make some big moves that we've been talking about. The, the increased need for some more pass rush mm -hmm. and from your outside linebackers in particular. And man, a couple young guys really stepped up in this game. Well, Marquis Watts got to play for the first time. He'd been inactive or a DNP in every other game before. But Josh Hayes, the defensive back, was out with a concussion and Carlton Davis was out. And we brought up Keenan Isaac to replace him. But there were no other defensive backs to put in from the to uh, make active. So they had a spot and they could keep a sixth for the first time. They could keep a sixth outside linebacker active on game day and it was a hot day so it made a lot of sense and they kept all six up including Marquise Watts and they played them all Cam Gill Anthony Nelson everybody uh, Marquise Watts got his first 11 snaps he had a tackle and he had the big hit on the quarterback that led to the sort of pop-up throw that Antoine Winfield was able to intercept after we had dropped about four other possible interceptions that was <laughs> So infuriating. I can't imagine for them how they felt. Oh, especially the be like, again? Like, yeah, the Levante Antoine yeah. one earlier. I felt like this was karma paying back Antoine for knowing that, like, he'd had that one earlier, but then he and Levante ran into yeah. each other, that it was like the whole ball don't lie idea of, like, had to repay him <laughs> ball finds energy. for this. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, but Levante didn't get his. I know. We'll, have to, we'll just hope that it, there's, it's another week, that, yeah. there's, that the game just ran out. <laughs> Levante time. had another one where he kind of had a leaping, almost caught it. But in any case, Marquise Watts uh, had a nice first showing uh, when asked if that meant he was going to get more opportunities at the beginning of the week. Um, Coach Bowles says it's possible. On uh, Wednesday, a similar question kind of made it sound like he's going to get some more chances. And then Yaya Diaby. Um, he's played every game, obviously, and, and I think looked pretty good throughout his rookie season, but he's getting incrementally more and more playing time. And in this last game, he actually had the second most snaps after Shaq Barrett and before Joe Tryoshenka uh, among those six outside linebackers, partially because coach says he's very strong and he's good against the run, and obviously that was a run first team we were playing. But he made lots of plays in the passing game. He had two quarterback hits, he had a sack, he had two tackles for loss. So it was just a really nice game for Yaya, and um, I just think they're trying to find ways to get him on the field as much as possible. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think that's a good strategy. Um, all right, so now Mike Evans, what a game for him. And again, even with some drops, mm -hmm. he still had an incredible game, which again speaks to what Mike Evans can do, that he can have a couple drops and still have, what is it, 143, 143. yards. And uh, this the touchdown to me was just one of the most Mike Evans plays I've ever seen. Because <laughs> A, I felt like it was such a cool response to the drop yeah. of like, oh, I have to get in the end zone now <laughs> since that happened. Just the mental toughness, the physical toughness. I was like, this is peak Mike Evans right here. That was a good one too that we yeah. just saw there, the 43-yarder. Uh, that was right before the pass that he dropped in the end zone. He, Baker said he threw that ball quicker than, you know, the play necessarily called for. Mm -hmm. And so he was worried Mike wasn't going to get his head around in time. And indeed, he didn't look until the last second yeah. and had to kind of adjust to make that really impressive sliding catch. But um, it's just, it's Mike Evans. And I think we probably talk about him every week and we talk about the fact that we talk about him every week, but he just keeps making us talk about, talk about him. him. We don't, I don't even do the graphic this week about him uh, bumping up another slot all-time touchdowns. He's tied for 16th now, but I thought this one was kind of interesting. We haven't looked at this before. He's averaging 17.1 yards per catch, which wow. is higher than his normal average, his career average, and amongst all the players that have at least 40 catches. Wow. And look at those names. Look at those names, right? I mean, he's above Tyree Kill in terms of yards per catch, Jeez. which <laughs> hard to believe. Yeah. Um, so those are those are some of the best receivers in the game, and obviously Mike is one of the best receivers in the game, but he's really making a lot of downfield plays, a, a lot more than 
last year as an example because Baker is holding on to the ball a little longer and letting him get downfield yep. and he just has that deceptive speed where he just if you saw some of those highlights when the camera was on him during his route he's just running right past that guy and I mean is Mike Evans known as the fastest receiver in the league obviously he's very fast yes he yes. but he's deceptively fast he agree. just eats up the ground with those long strides I also think what we've been able to do in the screen game and this kind of goes to our next <clears throat> point we wanted to talk about the screen game, the dump offs to Rashad is going to help guys like Mike. We, I'm really starting to see where the fact that our run game wasn't really going earlier this season, so it was a lot easier for defenses to hone in on Mike and Chris. But now that Rashad is, you know, getting over 100 yards from scrimmage either because of the run game, because of the pass game, he's holding those defenses honest to where now you're going to see guys like that help. So it's not only great for Rashad, but it's it's great for everybody on that. Yeah, offense. it's like the screens are like basically part of the run game since the run game still is only producing about 70 yards 78 yards per game the screen sort of takes place of that and, and has the effect on the defense you know the gravity that he pulls away from the receivers and you know that I think we'll probably see or we did see the clip of his touchdown there just as an aside um, he got up to 20.7 miles per hour according Jeez. to next gen stats on that and that's the fastest he's been clocked at in his entire oh look at this little next gen graphic here that's cool that's cool um, he that's the fastest he's run on any play in his career so far. Also, if uh, we can keep that running for a minute, if you look at the numbers, watch the Cody Mauk no. little dot. Well, okay. Oh, how far downfield he's And getting? how he was trucking, he too. He was down there, wasn't he? He was trucking. Okay, well, let's run it one more time, and I'll point out number 70, the center. Watch yep, the 70 dot coming out here pulling, and he gets the first key Cut block out. right there that yep. allows him to cut inside. So um, just a really well-executed play. And so... He's been catching a lot of passes and getting a lot of yards on them in recent weeks, and now he's up to um, second amongst all running backs in the NFL right now in receiving yards, and you see who he's right underneath What there. a great title for a graphic, by the way. I know. I was out in space. <laughs> really appreciate He's a force that. out in space. space I force. really like that. Thank you. Um, but, right, we're, we're playing McCaffrey this week. We're the two highest-producing yardage, uh, receiving yardage backs in the league are going to be on the same field. Man. And Alvin Kamara's, he missed some time, so he might be ahead of him if not for that. In but still. Eight game, okay, so nine games in, roughly halfway. He might get to 600, 700 receiving yards. That'd be amongst the best we've ever had. That's great. Uh, so now, you know, I think it's great to <clears throat> think about the fact that it was tough during that stretch of losses, and you start thinking, oh, man, like, what's going to happen? What does this mean about the season? But the NFC South, yeah. very much up for grabs. So let's talk a little bit about where the Bucks stand, what the rest of the season is going to look like in terms of trying to chase that NFC championship. Yeah, thanks to the 3-1 and one start, even though we had the four-game losing streak, now that we get another win, we're right there in the thick of it. And as you see here, you know, the, uh, Carolina would have to make quite a rebound to get back into it. But otherwise, that's real tight. Uh, and you'd see that both New Orleans and Atlanta are on a bye this week. So now the Bucks will even up with the rest of the division, as will Carolina, and everybody will be the same number of games, and, and we won't have to say a half game out or a game and a half or whatever. But if the Buccaneers win in San Francisco, uh, they'll be tied for first. And since we beat New Orleans in week four, they would have the tiebreaker edge, so you could say – Basically, they're in first place. Mm -hmm. If the Bucks lose, there'll be a game out tied with Atlanta. Not what we want, obviously. But either way, that's still a very tight race. And the Bucks have a chance to come out of this weekend back on top of the NFC South. So let's talk about this game against San Francisco. We know they are a heck of a team. They've got a lot of great guys on both sides of the ball. And we know last year didn't quite go according to plan. So what are the things that you feel like looking at each of these teams? What could be the difference to make sure that last year doesn't repeat itself? Uh, it's, it, you need to limit the yards after the catch. They have so many weapons. So basically you talk about Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. 
there's others. Just, just those? Yeah, just those, well, you, know? <laughs> you know, there's the fullback too, and there's others, but those four probably represent the most varied but impressive group of pass catchers and runners of, mm -hmm. of any offense we're going to face. Yeah. They, and so all of those guys, but particularly McCaffrey and Debo and even George Kittle, are really good and they're schemed up well by Kyle Shanahan at getting yards after the catch. So um, Coach Bowles stresses for the defense that, you know, the tackling needs to be strong. Um, they break a lot of tackles, Kittle and McCaffrey do, and they just get in an open space because of a good scheme. So the, we need to gang tackle, we need to tackle well when we have the opportunity, and we just have to be on the keys. So the opposite of what happened in Houston, they need to know where they're supposed to be and be there, as Coach Bowles would say. So much better at that last week, obviously. Uh, and then on defense, you just have to try to slow down that pass rush. The, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, they've got all these guys that are either former first round picks or highly coveted free agents and Bosa and Hargrave in particular are an unbelievable inside outside force. They don't have a giant number of sacks considering all that talent, but they are fifth in the league in pressure percentage on the quarterback and pressures can be just as effective at blowing up a drive as a sack. So, um, you know, obviously Tristan Worse and Luke Edeke have played awesome so far this year. Hopefully they can continue to keep those guys off of Baker Mayfield. I think that would be the key. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider. We will see you again next week to break down that game out in the other Bay Area. We'll see you then.